0: Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes they get the right guy. Sometimes they get the wrong guy. This week, news from Washington focused on a couple of things. One, the inability, apparently, for at least the House half of Congress to get its act together in time to uh, keep the U.S. government from shutting down. Almost as if some of the guys in the the House, half of Congress wanted to shut down. (laughs) But the other major story out of Congress was the dress code. Now, those two words filled my heart with dread Whenever in my life I encountered them. I uh, have been in a lifelong personal war against the uh, abomination known as the necktie. And so, of course, I've encountered dress code acrimony on more than one occasion. Especially at restaurants. You know... I um, I actually once did a piece for um, a New York satirical magazine called Spy in which I went to a dozen New York restaurants that required jacket and tie for admission. And I came along with a photographer and we did kind of a fashion piece on the jackets and ties. That they gave me to wear in order to gain admission they they were not the best jackets and ties you might guess that almost as if to punish me for not bringing my own jacket and tie i um I just have this nutty conviction that if a restaurant wants to tell me what to wear in order to eat their food, they should pay me money, you know? Just a thing I have. Um, so this week, the dress code of the United States Senate was loosened to allow Senator from Pennsylvania, Mr. Fetterman, not Mr. Fennerman, Mr. Fetterman, to wear um, hoodie and shorts on the Senate floor and in the chairs, too, if he so desired. And uh, there was an explosion of outrage by the defenders of the status quo about Mr. Fetterman and the adjustment that had to be made for him. And nowhere, I mean, I i didn't read every story or watch every story about this. I may have missed somebody's reference to the fact that Mr. Fetterman is not the first guy to be on the floor of the Capitol, not wearing a jacket, tie, suit, the thing, the uniform. You probably know this. The minute I say it, you're going to go, oh, yeah. Jim Jordan in the House hasn't been seen with a jacket on him since uh, the big rain. Wears shirt and tie, but no jacket. He's a committee chairman, ladies and gentlemen. And I haven't heard word one from the Republicans about the outrage, the affront, the um, insult to the respect that the legislature demands of at least the sartorial choices made by its members. No, it was Mr. Fetterman accused of all that. And um, the concept is, you know, at least I've told you my prejudice up front. It's basically just so, you don't notice the dumb stuff they say. You know, if the stuff that comes of, out of, I should say, many, if not most, Congress people's mouths came from a body clothed in um, a blue work shirt and a pair of jeans, you'd go, well, of course. What would he expect? But you slap a suit on the guy and go, oh, interesting point. It's crazy, but he's been elected. And of course, it's always a he. They don't tell women what to wear. They wouldn't dare. Now, a new feature of the program may be recurring. This may the one. This may be the one time it happens. The paragraph of the week. This comes from. Currently not free to walk the streets. Sam Bankman Freed, former head of FTX, the uh, crypto outfit before it collapsed. He's been under a house arrest, awaiting his trial that begins next month. And he's been writing a lot of stuff. Here's how it all happened. And here's who I am. It's been uh, poked through by the New York Times. And this is the paragraph of the week from the writings of Sam Bankman Freed. As a general matter, I don't lie. He wrote in a document entitled Truth. Quote, it's something that I believe fairly strongly in. Unquote. Hello, welcome to the show. Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the Show. To be fair, and you know, I uh, generally believe in being fair, Jim Jordan is a member of the House, not the Senate, which I guess means the House doesn't have a dress code, which means I guess we're not supposed to respect them as much, which means that's why Jim Jordan is in the House. Now... News of our friend the Atom.
1: Clean, safe, too cheap to meet her. Save, safe, too cheap to meet her. Save, to too safe to meet her. Save, safe too cheap to
0: meet her. Well, you know, there's new nuclear underway, on the way. Many of the new nuclear reactors under development according to reuters are designed to run on uranium at enrichments as high as 15 to 19% that's known as high assay low enriched uranium halliu that's as opposed to traditional light water reactor technology which typically uses uranium enriched to 3 to 5% and here's the good news. The only commercial source of HALU, H-A-L-U, is Russia. The invasion of Ukraine and Russia's subsequent political and commercial isolation has left many developers of next generation reactors concerned that without a concerted effort to rebuild non-Russian supply chains, there won't be enough fuel. Quote, it's unfortunate the United States got over over a barrel in this way. It took decades to get to this sort of abject level of dependence. The country went from the world's largest exporter to the world's largest importer through a variety of missteps and mishaps. That's the chief executive offer of U.S. nuclear fuel company Centris Energy. TerraPower, a nuclear reactor developer founded by Bill Gates and winner of U.S. Department of Energy funding as part of an advanced reactor demonstration program, said the invasion would mean a delay to the employment of its natrium reactor by at least two years. It has become clear that domestic and allied H-A-L-E-U manufacturing options will not reach commercial capacity in time to meet the proposed 2028 in-service date for the natrium demonstration plant that's from the president of terra power renewed interest in nuclear power as a low emission energy supplier and amid uncertainty over fossil fuel supply chains means greater investments will be needed in all kinds of nuclear fuel that's according to the world nuclear association in its recent biannual report it says the tripling of nuclear capacity needed by 2050 as part of a global strategy to reach net zero will require investment in a significant expansion of nuclear fuel supply, supply worldwide as much as it will need investment in new nuclear capacity worldwide the potential increase in demand for h a l e u fuel due to the potential new wave of advanced reactor designs, would need need to be met by a significant expansion of the supply of H-A-L-E-U, regardless of current sources. Unquote. The report. The first step for the industry to address a looming fuel bottleneck is admitting there could be a problem matching supply with demand. Well, that never happens. That's according to uh, CEO Malcolm Critchley of Converdine. He uh, was co-chair of the working group which drafted the World Nuclear Association report. Some of these projects, he says, need to be accelerated. There needs to be incentives for that to happen. We are running out of time and there needs to be more collaboration between buyers and suppliers, he said. I don't think we can just sit back and hope that sort of organic demand will ultimately result in supply, unquote, him. Enrichment in the U.S. was once a government monopoly. It turned the business over to the private sector in the 60s. Remember the 60s? It seemed so free. Not so much freeing, it, setting it adrift, says an independent analyst at the Breakthrough Institute part of a three-part series for the American Nuclear Institute. Do we have too many institutes yet? That was, uh, the series was called the U.S. Nuclear Fuel Gordian Knot, from global supplier to vulnerable customer. Nuclear sector concerns are now being heard in Washington. However, last year, the U.S. government passed the Inflation Reduction Act. It offered some $500 $500 million for H-A-L-E-U. I'm going to call it HALU production. The initial $100 million to start a HALU transportation system. Another $100 million for research, development, demonstration, and commercial use. It's a start, says Reuters, but it falls short of the $3.5 million. the new Nuclear Fuel Security Act says is needed to encourage a diversity of suppliers and technology. The bill calls on the Energy Department to arrange two or more contracts with members of the newly formed HALU Consortium to begin acquiring not less than three metric tons per year of the new fuel by next year. The legislation earned widespread bipartisan support But funding or finding the necessary funds and allocating them will be complicated in the current legislative environment, i.e. shutting down. I know the feeling, man. Meanwhile, victims of nuclear contamination rallied in Washington this week in support of bipartisan legislation that would extend compensation for those harmed by radioactive waste. U.S. Senators Josh Hawley, a Missouri Republican, and Ben Ray Lujan, a New Mexico Democrat, held a rally in a press conference outside the Capitol, part of their efforts to advance legislation to extend coverage from the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. People from New Mexico, Utah, and Missouri including advocates and others from St. Louis who had been harmed by nuclear contamination joined the event. All a sponsored an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that the Senate adopted a couple months ago. The amendment extends the uh, compensation program to include people in St. Louis who were affected by improperly stored Manhattan Project waste. For decades, private companies and federal agencies knew the haphazardly handled waste posed a risk to human health and the environment, but chose to downplay it. That's according to the Missouri Independent. Following World War II, uranium refined in downtown St. Louis was dumped, uncovered, at the city's airport. Chunks of radioactive waste fell from trucks on the road, to the uh, St. Louis County Airport from the processing facility. Once at the airport, the wind and rainwater carried the waste into Coldwater Creek. That won't be fully remediated for another 15 years. Quote, if the government is going to create a disaster, the government should clean it up, said Senator Hawley, wearing his suit jacket. He said it's the responsibility of the federal government to pay the bills of the men and women who have gotten sick and to pay the survivor benefits of those who've been lost. Quote, the government used the city of St. Louis as a uranium processing facility as a major site. And then when that was over, what did it do? Did it take care of the waste? Holly asked rhetorically. No, he answered. It allowed it to seep into the groundwater. It allowed it to get into the soil. He referenced high breast cancer and childhood brain tumor rates in St. Louis and said it's not a coincidence. Quote, generations of Missourians, children, were poisoned because of the government's negligence. Unquote. Senator Hawley. Coverage under the Compensation Act would also be extended to New Mexico. Quote, downwinders, unquote, they live downwind of the bomb's testing site in Los Alamos, New Mexico, and post-1971, uranium miners. Hawley, Lujan, and U.S. Senator Mike Crapo, sorry about that, an Idaho, Republic, an Idaho Republican, worked in a bipartisan effort to get the amendment included in the defense authorization bill, which still must be negotiated by the dress code and non-dress code houses of Congress. Crystalyn Curley, speaker of the Navajo Nation Council, said there's a debt owed to Navajo uranium workers. She said from 1944 to 1986, nearly 300 million tons of uranium was extracted from Navajo Nation. She says the government failed to adequately communicate with Navajo uranium workers, neglected to translate the risks associated with radiation exposure. This has led to generations of illnesses and deaths across Navajo communities. The downwinders in New Mexico still aren't eligible for compensation that's offered to residents downwind from another test site in Nevada. Residents downwind of that site in parts of Nevada, Utah, and New Mexico can receive a payment of up to $50,000. Mary Dixon, a downwinder from Salt Lake City, said she and other nuclear contamination victims are the legacy of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Dixon, who had thyroid cancer and had a hysterectomy due to tumors, said two of her sisters were also diagnosed with cancers. Dixon's older sister died from cancer, and her niece has thyroid cancer. And Deadline Tokyo construction workers stole and sold potentially radioactive scrap metal from near the crippled Fouke power plant. That's uh, what the Japanese Environment Ministry reported this week. The materials went missing from a museum being demolished in a special zone around two and a half miles from the Fouke plant. People were allowed to return to the area last year after intense decontamination work but uh, radiation levels can still be above normal and the fuk plant is surrounded by a no-go zone japan's environment ministry was informed of the theft by workers from a joint venture conducting the demolition work in late july and is exchanging information with police that's what ministry officials told Agence France-Presse. Ah, the French. If radioactivity levels are high, metals from the area must go to a storage facility, interim, of course, or be properly disposed of. If, low, they can be reused, the stolen scrap metals had not been measured for radiation levels, according to the Japanese Environment Ministry. And they should know. Clean, cheap, safe, too safe to measure, our friend the atom. Now, just one item of news of the Olympic movement this week. Almost two decades on from the 2004 Athens Olympics, Greece is reminded of the cost that often comes with hosting the quadrennial competition. This according to the British newspaper, the Daily Star. Greece spent eight billion pounds, that's 10 billion American, to bring the torch back to its borders, a hefty chunk of which went to building the Olympic Park. Renovations to the Olympic Stadium alone cost about $307 million, though that venue at least remains in use. But the same can't be said for the Olympic Park, which once functioned as the home of the Summer Games, and uh, but it now resembles a ghost town, eight, 19 years on, featuring overgrown fields and stadia that are stained and haven't seen fans in many years. Images of the grounds today show empty pools, deserted standing areas, and venues that have given way to nature since being neglected. The Baron Blitzscher stands testament to a time that held so much promise for Greece. Instead, of course, the 2008 economic crisis meant Greece had to uh, divert its attention from maintaining the site or finding alternative uses, because that EU member was hit particularly hard by the economic downturn. The softball stadium is one such venue, gathering dust, in the post-Olympic era, Athens is only one of well, one of only five host cities to stage softball to date. Paris organizers have already confirmed it won't be making a comeback next year. Following the games, the ground was converted into a football pitch and attracted a local team. They moved on from the venue in 2014. Since then, it was more recently used as a temporary site to house more than 3,000 refugees who were being processed into the country. Greece's government also funded the building of the Olympic Slalom Center to host water events. The massive area now sits dried up. Greece isn't the only country to struggle in maintaining its Olympic facilities once the Games are over. 2016 host Brazil is now also home to a collection of costly monuments. Much like the Senate. And now...
1: He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, who would ever have expected this? Construction of the Trump administration's U.S.-Mexico border wall caused irreparable damage to natural resources, wildlife habitat, water flow, and cultural sites, including blast damage to native burial lands, erosion in protected federal property, and diverted water sources that ended in flooding. That's the results of an audit by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. That's Congress's version of an inspector general. In a rush to construct 450 miles of the barrier along the southern border, the Trump administration issued federal waivers that allowed the Department of Homeland Security and its Customs and Border Protection Agency, as well as the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, to override environmental and natural resource protection laws from January 2017 until January 2021 when newly inaugurated President Joe Biden halted all work. That's according to the 72-page GAO audit. Billions of dollars in funding were transferred from other agencies to fund wall construction. Environmental impacts include hindering wildlife passage, including endangered species, by replacing vehicle barriers with narrower pedestrian barriers, according to the audit. Native vegetation and natural water courses were also destroyed, causing flooding during heavy downpours. Several water sources, such as an artesian well in Arizona, no longer naturally flow to the surface, partly due to barrier construction. Mechanical pumps are now required to maintain water pressure, says the report. Arizona's Tohono O'odham Nation told investigators the holy site was irreparably damaged after construction crews expanded an additional uh, patrol road using explosives. They also demolished saguaro cactus found solely in the Sonoran Desert in trying to transplant them to another area to make way for a section of wall. Several lawsuits have been filed by environmental groups seeking to halt the wall over fear of its environmental impact. A Democratic member of Congress from Arizona requested the GAO audit, was a vocal critic of the wall, calling it a political stunt. Now he says wants, he wants Congress to transfer at least $225 million from home, Homeland Security's upcoming budget to Interior and Forest Service for restoration. Congressional Republicans who are critical of costs being spent to store unused wall materials. The Corps estimates that cost at $130,000 a day. And you know nobody can find cheaper places to store unused building materials than the Army Corps of Engineers. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the godly. Deadline Vienna. A statue of late German Cardinal Franz Hongsbach will be removed from outside a cathedral after allegations of sexual abuse against him surfaced, according to Catholic Church officials. A memorial for victims of sexual abuse will be created to take the place of the statue, which was erected in 2011, according to a German news agency. The move came after several hours of closed-door deliberations. The controversy around the statue, just outside Essen Cathedral, was sparked this week when the German Diocese of Essen and Paderborn announced they had started an investigations into at least three sexual abuse allegations brought against Hungsbach to Date back to the 1950s and 60s. The first case alleges that Hungsbach abused a 16-year-old girl in 1954 while he was still an auxiliary bishop in the city of Paderborn. The second case dates back to 1967 when he allegedly assaulted another woman during his time in Essen when he was already a bishop. The latest allegations were made by a third victim just last October. And the Australian Catholic Bishops' Conference has described sexual misconduct allegations against a prominent Western Australia church leader as deeply distressing. Unquote. The long serving Catholic Bishop of Broome, Christopher Saunders, has been the subject of a Vatican investigation into allegations of sexual and professional misconduct, first revealed by the Australian ABC in 2020. The 73-year-old who lives in the Kimberley town, this denies any wrongdoing. He resigned from his post a couple of years ago, retains the title Emeritus Bishop of Broome. Excerpts from the report to the Vatican, which have been made public, allege the bishop sexually assaulted four teenagers and young men, potentially groomed another 67 and kept a cache of guns and cash, a cache of cash, on church premises. The Archbishop of Perth says the allegations leveled at the bishop in the report were very serious and deeply distressing. He said he hoped the Holy See would not delay its determinations on the uh, cleric. That Archbishop, Timothy Costello, described the Vatican's investigation called Vos Estes, as a, quote, long and painful process. It's not been released in full. That is the report from the investigation carried out by two former Western Australia detectives. An advocate for accountability within the Catholic Church said it was common for investigations to be shrouded in secrecy. It's a very secretive process, says Anne Barrett Doyle. The co-director of a website called Bishop Accountability. The slowness and lack of updates are par for the course in just about every vos estes case and just complete silence for months or even years from the Vatican. She said the investigations do not have sufficient transparency. Quote, this is a quintessentially clericalist process, elitist and tightly Vatican-centered Unquote. Now, the news of the godly spotlight shifts to France. An estimated 330,000 children were victims of sex abuse within France's Catholic Church over the past 70 years. That's according to a report released this week. It represents the country's first major accounting of their share of the worldwide phenomenon. The figure includes abuses committed by some 3,000 priests, and other people involved in the church, wrongdoing the Catholic authorities, covered up over decades in a systemic manner, according to the president of the commission that issued the report. The head of the French bishops' conference asked for forgiveness from the victims, about 80% of whom were boys, according to the report. Well, boys are prone to forgiveness, aren't they? The independent commission urged the church to take strong action, denouncing faults and silence. It also called on the Catholic Church to help compensate the victims, notably in cases that are too old to prosecute via the courts. The head of the commission issued the report says the consequences are very serious. About 60% of men and women who were sexually abused encounter major problems in in their emotional or sexual life. We consider the church has a debt towards victims. The 2,500-page document was issued as the Catholic Church in France seeks to face up to those shameful secrets that were long covered up. Victims welcomed the report as long overdue. Olivier Savignac, head of the Victims Association, contributed to the investigation. He told the AP the high ratio of victims per abuser was, quote, particularly terrifying for French society, for the Catholic Church, unquote. He assailed the Church for treating such cases as individual anomalies instead of as a collective horror. He described being abused at age 13 by the director of a Catholic vacation camp in the south of France, who was accused of assaulting several other boys. The priest in question was eventually found guilty of child sexual abuse, sentenced in 2018 to two years in prison, with one year suspended. News of the godly just for you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm I'm sure you noticed a few days ago Donald Trump uh, delivered a, a set of what have been described in many media accounts as a rambling set of ruminations at a political meeting, among which were these, I'm going to call them thoughts, about the current president.
1: We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country, who is cognitively impaired, in no condition to leave, and is now in charge of dealing with Russia and possible nuclear war. Just think of it. We would be in World War II very quickly we're going to be
0: relying on this man yes he said world war we're going to be in world war ii now the music i should add uh, was part of the event i didn't add it but yes he said world war ii would be in our future and um, many observers and commentators pundits think piece writers said that was a gaffe, but uh, my information is that, uh, au contraire, Trump doubled down.
1: There's a man in the White House who poses such a danger. He's a bigger threat than the lonely ranger. We should all be afraid of what he'll put us through, a little thing called World War II. He's already been so crazy so far, why the hell would he want to start the second just him It's his whole thuggish crew They've got a plan for World War II It's so clear, so friggin' plain There's nobody home in his so-called brain You know what he lacks is a Breaking clue That's why he's gonna start war.
0: The U.S. Air Force has denied a request by Varda Space Industries to land its in-space drug manufacturing capsule at a Utah training area. This from Gizmodo. The U.S. FAA did not grant the company permission to re-enter Earth's atmosphere, leaving its spacecraft hanging in um, space as the company scrambles to find a solution. The spokesperson from the FAA told TechCrunch in an emailed statement, the company's request was not granted at this time due to the overall safety, risk, and impact analysis, unquote. Gizmodo reached out to Florida Space to ask which regulatory requirements had not been met. The company responded with, No comment. California startup did provide an update on its spacecraft. We're pleased to report that our spacecraft is healthy across all systems. It was originally designed for a full year in orbit if needed. We look forward to continuing to collaborate with our Gov partners to bring our capsule back to Earth as soon as possible. It was, unquote, it was launched, was its spacecraft, June June 12th. It's designed to manufacture a products in microgravity environments, and transport them back to Earth. On June 30th, its first drug manufacturing experiment succeeded in growing crystals of the drug retronivir, used for the treatment of HIV, in orbit. The microgravity environment provides some benefits that could make for better production in space, Protein crystals made in space form larger and more perfect crystals than those created on Earth. Varda's co founder wrote on X, space drugs have finished cooking, baby. Unfortunately, the space drugs are not allowed to come back to Earth. Capsule was originally scheduled for re-entry earlier this month. The company's application was denied on September 6th. Varda formally requested the FAA reconsider its decision on September 8th. That's pending. Varda's in space manufacturing co- uh, capsule is a byproduct of a growing space industry, which grants easier access to low Earth orbit. The problem now is getting them back down. Dateline The Hague, the International Criminal Court, said this week its computer system had been hacked, a breach at one of the world's most high-profile international institutions, one that handles highly sensitive information about war crimes. (laughs) we don't care about those. The ICC said it had detected unusual activity on its computer network at the end of last week, prompting a response that was still ongoing. A spokesperson declined to comment on how serious the hack was or who might be behind it. China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology announced this week it'll form a working group to set metaverse standards. Without them, metaversal manners have meandered. According to the Register, Beijing's latest regulatory effort seeks to accelerate standardization of whatever a metaverse is, and keep up with the pace of international development of metaverses. The ministry explained its concerns about use of sensitive personal information in metaverses. Oh, yeah. Proliferation of digital identities, pyramid schemes, and online violence. Bad information security is also a concern, so they've decided it's time to clean house. Quote, some capital and enterprises have taken advantage of the popularity of the metaverse to speculate, resulting in its concept far from the actual value, which restricts the development of the metaverse industry to a certain extent, said the Chinese agency. The working group will include experts from enterprises, scientific research institutes, universities, and unspecified metaverse mavens the uh, agency laid out a uh, three-year vision for the metaverse it named the metaverse as one of several tech sectors in which china will seek global leadership with standard setting therefore being a key activity if you think metaverses are less than entertaining now just wait till the chinese government runs them and now ladies and gentlemen the apologies of the week so London based Nigerian fashion designer Moa La Lola Lazy has apologized. She was cruising for a bruising after stirring a backlash online for showing a mini skirt in her spring 2024 collection at London Fashion Week. The skirt features a print. Of the Saudi Arabian flag. Her collection contained various flags as many skirts, including those of China, the UK, and Japan. Saudi Arabia's flag features the Shahada, the Islamic Oath, which says there is no God but God. Muhammad is the messenger of God. Major Arab and Muslim fashion accounts are urged the fashion distributor to halt sales of the Moalola items, threatening to boycott the company. The distributor, Farfetch, has a large customer base in the Middle East. Ugin Lazy initially mocked the controversy on X. A miniskirt being an act of war in 2023 is so dystopian, she said on X. Crime a river. Designer later, de- later deleted posts and apologized for hurt or offense her designs caused. Quote, after the show, I found that one of the flags, Saudi Arabia, features sacred words, and its use has caused great offense. Now that I've been educated on this topic, I sincerely apologize for this, Hogan Lazy said on X. Thank you for holding me accountable, and I appreciate your understanding as I learn from this experience. Unquote. Users on X criticized the design in posts, calling it disrespectful and offensive. Miniskirt isn't the first time Lola has used religious symbols and designs. The brand frequently used the Crucifix in its spring collection earlier this year. Chief of police in Columbus, Ohio, apologized to a father who posted a video showing two officers blaming his 11-year-old daughter for being groomed after he reported it. The department announced an investigation into its response after the man shared a doorbell cam video of the interaction. The father said he called the police because the girl was manipulated into sending explicit messages of herself to an adult man. The video showed one officer warning that the girl could be charged and punished for creating, quote, child porn, unquote. The uh, police chief said in a statement, that the Columbus Division of Police was investigating its officers conduct quote my expectation is that our officers treat every victim of crime with compassion decency and dignity she said what I saw in that video did not reflect that she said the case had been referred to the department's inspector general I want to make clear the chief continued this incident does not reflect the division as a whole as soon as we learned of this incident, we immediately reached out to the a father to apologize and to assure him that this matter was being fully investigated, both the actions of this officer and, more importantly, any crime committed against his child. Unquote. He posted the video of the encounter on TikTok, where it quickly began to spread. The TikTok post said the daughter had been a victim of an online predator who was a grown man. He manipulated her into sending pictures of herself, he wrote as the caption of the video. The video then captures a short conversation between the man... And one of the two police officers that arrived, the officer seemed dismissive of him and immediately jumped, telling him what his minor daughter could be charged with. Quote, I mean, she can probably get charged with child porn, she informed him. Who can? She can, the dad responds. She's 11 years old. Doesn't matter, the female officer insists. She's still making porn, unquote. Advocates generally object to the term child porn, arguing that it creates a false association with the pornography created by consenting adults. Anyway, the police chief said sorry. Taiwan's premier Chen Chi Jen apologized this past Friday for the mislabeling of imported eggs and public dissatisfaction. He faced protests. From legislators, before he spoke to them, he said the government imported eggs cope with a shortage caused by avian flu, the Russian-Ukrainian and war, and a global surge in feed prices. He added the import policy was necessary but imperfect and caused social unrest. He apologized to the people and said the government would listen to their suggestions and improve its measures. He said he believed the egg supply price and safety would become more stable. Dateline Dayton, Ohio. Sweet treat turned sour as a social media post by an elementary school stirred up outrage. Donovan Elm Elementary School in Lebanon, Ohio, posted on social media that the school would be holding an ice cream Friday for the first time. Students without enough funds or a negative balance on their lunch accounts would be unable to receive ice cream. Quote, a student must have money on their account to purchase an ice cream, the school said. If a student has a negative balance, they will not be able to purchase an ice cream, even if they bring their $1 for ice cream. The original post went on to say students were only uh, allowed to buy one ice cream and were unable to purchase one for anyone else. As of last Friday, the post racked up over 11,000 reactions, 13,000 comments. Of the 13,000, most people were seen in outrage over the post. One person wrote, quote, this is gross. I hope you realize how disgusting this is and stop punishing students over something they cannot control. I'm repulsed. Do better, Unquote. By Friday at 930 a.m., the school addressed the initial post, saying it lacked empathy. We're sorry for the way the message was communicated. The wording lacked empathy in it and sensitivity for students who have lower negative meal account balances. We work very hard to provide school lunches to students by removing barriers and eliminating the stigma associated with the lunch assistance program this post inadvertently sent the message that we would embarrass students or turn them away for an issue outside their control the message fell short of our values as a district and we sincerely apologize the donovan elementary school adidas ceo bjorn gulden has apologized for suggesting during a a podcast that rapper Ye, formerly Kanye West, did not mean the anti-Semitic statements he made last year. It was those statements that resulted in the sportswear brand cutting ties with him, whom Forbes describes in this item as an ex-billionaire. Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt tweeted that he'd spoken with Goulden who apologized for his misstatement? Unquote. Golden also told Greenblatt his company is committed to fighting anti Semitism and opposes the quote, ugly hate expressed by West. Golden took over as Adidas CEO earlier this year after the uh, sports apparel giant ended partnership with West and his Yeezy brand. I didn't say sleazy, I said Yeezy. The new Adidas CEO appeared on a podcast, and uh, he said West made some comments that weren't, quote, that good, unquote, but he didn't think the rapper, quote, meant what he said about Jewish people. He added he doesn't think West, quote, is a bad person. It just came across that way, unquote. After Adidas and other major brands dropped West as a celebrity spokesperson. And uh, he got suspended by all major social media platforms. He appeared on podcasts and interviews where he doubled down on his remarks and even praised Adolf Hitler. But to be fair, Hitler also praised him. The Apologies of the Week, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that would uh, just about do it for this edition of the Show. Back next week, same time on these radio stations. And whenever you want it on your audio device of choice. And it'd be just like Rupert Murdoch regaining control of Fox. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already thank you very much? huh. A typical the Show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, to Thomas Walsh. ...at WWNO New Orleans... ...for help with this... ...particular broadcast... ...and... um, ...this broadcast has an email address... ...I know... ...so very 1993... ...but you can still use it if you like... ...to... um, ...get the music... ...playlist for this show... ...to get Cars I Talk T-shirts... ...for everyone who remembers... And to see all sorts of other stuff that might tickle your fancy or other parts of your body, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on the other thing at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.